Amen. Have you ever broken something that cannot be fixed? I remember once we were at a party, and as the party was wrapping up, several of us decided to stay and help clean up. And my friend's wife was washing dishes, and I was helping dry the dishes. When she reached for the next dish to be washed, and it was this ornate serving platter, I think Waterford. It was delicate, it was big, and she kind of hesitated as she reached for it. And then she decided to turn to the host and ask the host, would you like to clean this instead uh, of me? Because uh, she's a little nervous about it. You can see where this is going, can't you? And, uh, and the host kind of hesitated, but then said, no, go ahead, you can clean it. Alarm bells were going off in my head. And immediately she grabbed that dish and put it under the hot water coming out of the faucet. It just shattered. We just... <laughs> what do you do at that point? Uh, you don't even know what to say. And, and we just stood there and we were like, oh no. And we were just praying that this wasn't some uh, priceless family heirloom. Uh, but then the host says that this was a gift from the president of a major university in which they had graduated. It was a graduation gift. My friend's wife started crying. We all kind of just left at that point. <laughs> Party was over. Have you ever broken something that you cannot fix? Well, the host, they did go online the next day and they ordered another piece of crystal, whatever it was. But sometimes we break things that cannot be replaced, that cannot be fixed. Let's watch. This is a one-of-a-kind piece. There's no other one like this particular one in the world. And you can see the tracks go this way. And... Um, it's really cool because it, it records much more accurately than... <laughs> yeah, it's painful to watch, isn't it? And you knew it was coming too, right? We had to edit out the rest of the video. Uh, there's no way to fix that. It's gone forever. Have you ever broken something? that cannot be fixed. Maybe it wasn't a physical item, but maybe a relationship. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You've seen a marriage broken. You've seen relationship broken, friendships, and it seems like there is no hope. There's nothing you can do to fix it. Have you ever broken something that cannot be fixed? Have you ever been in a place where there seemed like there was no hope, no chance for reconciliation, no hope for healing, no going on, forever broken? Then listen up, because I have good news. It's Advent. See, it's a season of impossible hope. It's a season that reminds us of the miracle of Christmas. If you are broken, let me remind you, it's Advent. Hope will be revealed. In fact, hope has been revealed. And in that hope, we will rejoice if 
you will receive that hope. Listen, I want you to prepare your hearts right now. Take a deep breath with me. Hope has been revealed. Pay attention. All of us have broken something that we cannot fix. Our lives are broken because of sin. This world is broken because of sin. I know that we live in a land of deep darkness. I know that in the world around us, the world tries to distract us and it tries to give us false hope. We often get caught up in lights and distractions of the season, the parties, and things that ultimately don't reveal hope. And in this life we live, there are times when we absolutely get fed up with things that are going on around us. It seems like there's no hope. I'll admit it to you, there are some times when I just want to pack it up, go to a beach, forget it all, just, let, just start over, just reboot. You know, it's interesting because when you read scripture, even God got that way sometimes. He was like, let's just start over. Let's just reboot. But God doesn't give up on us. He continues to offer hope. He continues to offer hope for the broken lives that we have. We easily forget that the hope has been revealed to us. Hope will rejoice. But the question is, will you receive that hope today? Hope will rejoice, but will you receive it? Here again, the message of Zephaniah. Let's read. For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. When's the last time you've read Zephaniah? Why not? I think part of the reason is because you've forgotten. You've forgotten the story. Possibly you didn't even know there was a Zephaniah in the Bible. It's uh, pretty easy to overlook. Maybe though you've been distracted and, and didn't realize that it reveals the hope of the world to us. You didn't connect the dots. You didn't realize that this is a word of hope to you. That this word is hope rejoicing. In the midst of all that we have broken, hope rejoices. Will you receive that hope today? Let me remind you of the story of Zephaniah. It's just three chapters. Uh, and they are a collection of Zephaniah the prophet's poetry. Zephaniah lived in the days, in the last days of Judah as a nation during the reign of King Josiah. Some of you know King Josiah, that he helped reform the nation and help them get back on track to following God's law. But Judah as a nation was too far gone. And Zephaniah could see the destruction that was coming. He was trying to warn them of the coming danger. And in the first chapter of Zephaniah, we see a God who is fed up with his creation. If you read just chapter one of Zephaniah, you're not gonna have hope. <laughs> it's not the most hopeful of chapters. Uh, in, in chapter one, 
we see God's judgment because of the ways that the people had broken the world. Judah had broken something they could not fix. And they had the audacity to not even be concerned about it. It's no big deal. They didn't think God would mind. They didn't think God would do anything about it. And we see in this first chapter of Zephaniah kind of a dramatic reversal of the creation story where God says, I am going to destroy what I have created. I'm going to destroy what you, what we have broken. It says the day of the Lord is coming. And in this we see all these apocalyptic images of how God is going to destroy. But God isn't just fed up with Jerusalem and Judah. No, he's fed up with all of the nations, with all of us. He looks out on the good world that he created and sees nothing but violence and evil and arrogance and corruption. And what's worse, the leaders of these nations, they don't get it either. And he's going to gather them all up, every one of them. And the fire of God's judgment is about to come down on the world. He has had enough. It's like when you're a kid and mom says, just wait till dad gets home. Mom had had enough. And it wasn't going to be pretty. They are about to see the justice of God. The text says, all the heat of my anger and the fire of my passion will consume the earth. But here's the amazing thing, though. The fire from God is not just to destroy, but it's designed to purify us. His fiery justice is to heal and make new so that we will call on the name of the Lord. He doesn't just want to destroy, he wants to purify us. Even in the midst of the judgment of God, he reveals his hope for the future. He rejoices over us in what is to come. For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. Wow. What a contrast from the beginning to the end of this little book. In this little book, just three chapters, we get these intense images of God's justice and of God's love. You can't have one without the other. They are connected, they are married together. God's justice and God's love, an important concept. His justice that burns with passion to heal a broken world. A world that has been broken by violence and evil. He won't stand for evil and violence to win. It must be dealt with. His justice is brought upon us, not just to destroy us, but in order to restore his good creation, in order to bring unity and wholeness, in order to destroy evil and violence. But it is through his love that this world is recreated. And we have to hold these two ideas of God together. Justice and love. 
You can't have one without the other. See, because we have broken something that we cannot fix. But the miracle of Advent is that God can fix it through his justice and through his love in ways that boggle the mind. God has done it. Oh, glory. This is the miracle of Advent and Christmas. Will you receive that hope today? Too many of you have a hard time receiving it. You have forgotten how to rejoice in hope. You have been disappointed by false hope because you've been distracted by everything else around you. You've put your hope in something else or you didn't realize the significance of the story. Zephaniah is just a microcosm of this story, the largest story. The story of hope revealed to us. During Advent, we are reminded again of the larger story of hope that has been revealed to us in Jesus. Are you ready to receive it? Prepare yourself. Prepare yourself. This hope that we receive after we have broken something we cannot fix. Sometimes though we can't see the forest for the trees. So let me paint you a picture again of the story of the Bible so that you can receive this joyous hope again. Remember, 66 books, Old and New Testament, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New. This is our story of hope. From beginning to end, there is a thread of hope that runs throughout it. In the first 11 chapters of Genesis, what do we read? We get the whole picture. In the first 11 chapters of Genesis, the whole story is summarized. Did you know that? In the first 11 chapters, we see that we have broken something we cannot fix. The world was created good and beautiful and lush and perfect, and God places humanity in a garden and desires for them to rule the world with God. From there, though, these humans rebel against God, and they are exiled from the garden, sent into the wilderness. They broke something they they cannot fix. And from Genesis chapter 3 to 11, we see this cycle of sin that just gets worse and worse until it culminates with the people building a glorious city, Babylon. This is the best that humanity can do, Babylon. Left to its own, we create Babylon. We broke something that we cannot fix. And how does God respond? He responds with justice. You broke something that I told you not to mess with. And you will have to suffer the consequences. But he doesn't stop with justice. He follows it up with love. He protects and he sets into motion the most amazing Rescue plan, a plan so dangerous, so crazy it just might work, 
so wonderfully complex yet simple, so amazing, so unexpected that the rest of the Bible unfolds this plan of God. The rest of the Bible is just Genesis 1 through 11, but expanded. God states that he's going to send a new human, someone who can destroy evil and violence and oppression. So from Genesis chapter 12 through 2 Kings, we see the same cycle of sin and brokenness and violence. Just like we saw in the first 11 chapters. Just like the beginning, it starts with God calling a man, Abraham and his family, to go and settle a new land, a good land, just like the call of Adam and Eve to go to the Garden of Eden and to settle and to take care of the land. And this family is called to bless the whole world. And this family starts with high hopes, and, but eventually fails. And eventually, they are sent into exile into the wilderness at the hands of the Babylonians. And we see this pattern of brokenness and evil and violence repeated over and over again. We broke it. We broke something we cannot fix. But God promises again something amazing. A new human will come from the lineage of Abraham who will come to destroy violence and evil. This human will be both a priest and a king who will rescue not only Israel but the whole world from the violence of Babylon. And the story continues then through the prophets and the poets. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Isaiah, Jeremiah, etc. And they, these prophets, they condemn Israel and the nations for their violence and oppression. And they reveal the hope of God that is to come. God will send this priest and this king who will save the people. This salvation will come through one who is like a sacrifice like an innocent lamb that is led to the slaughter. He will come from the root of the great king, David. He will bring better days. He will be like the lion of Judah, devouring evil and violence. He calls all of humanity to leave Babylon and the wilderness and be a part of the new Jerusalem. We see God's divine justice and his divine love throughout these texts. And the Old Testament ends with words of God's justice and love, where it says, The day is coming, the day of the Lord, burning like a fire, but there is healing in it. Then we turn the page, the New Testament. The first four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, our Gospels, our Advent, the days that we have been preparing for, waiting for in anticipation, will you receive it? The promise come to earth. God will dwell with us. God will restore and redeem through Jesus, the perfect human, the one promised way back in Genesis We see God redeeming the world, showing us how to live, not with violence and oppression, but with love and grace and justice. And how does Jesus defeat evil? By allowing evil to kill him and seemingly destroy him. And we see this king throned on the cross and raised to life as a true king. 
From the Gospels, we go to Acts and the Epistles. These are the stories of the early church and how this, these new Christ followers are called to live and love. That we are called to leave our slavery of exile from bondage to Babylon and called to be a part of God's new creation that will overcome the world. And the story culminates in Revelation. Here it gets good. Here it gets real good, where Jesus is showed to be a sacrificial lamb. And in following Jesus, sometimes we'll suffer as well, like he did. But we can overcome suffering and evil by the risen King Jesus. He has conquered the grave. He will restore creation that has been groaning under the weight of sin and violence. That he is worthy to break the seal and restore us from Babylon and take us to our true home, the new Jerusalem. This is the divine rescue plan. We have broken something we cannot fix. But God in his holy justice and in his holy love has fixed it. Will you receive that hope? Let's look one more time at the prophet Zephaniah. In his words of hope. Do you see it? For the Lord your God, he's living among you. He is what? A mighty savior. He will take what? Delight in you. With gladness. With his love. He will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. Hear this. God rejoices over you with joyful song. I love that image. He's rejoicing. It is Advent. And today, hope rejoices. I want you to receive that hope this morning. I'm going to pray for us and then the choir is going to sing for us a song. And as they sing, I pray that you feel God rejoicing over you. May it calm your fears. May you take delight in it with gladness. For our God is a mighty Savior. I invite the choir to come up as I pray. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we have come this morning and heard your story of hope, there may be some here this morning, O oh God, that have never received that hope, that have never rejoiced in your hope. Heavenly Father, right now in this moment, I pray that they would turn their heart over to you. Come, Lord Jesus, fill us with your hope. For others of us, Lord, we have been distracted by the world around us. We've been distracted by all the things that glitter. We have put our hope in things that do not last. 
but you revealed your hope back in Genesis. Since the dawn of creation. And you are still revealing that hope to us. For those who have forgotten that hope this morning, Lord, remind them again of the story that is revealed in every page of your word. From Genesis to Revelation, your hope is revealed. May we receive this hope from Jesus, God made flesh, Emmanuel, God who dwells with us, a mighty Savior, the one who rejoices over us with hope. He is the one who is worthy of all of our hopes and praise this day. Amen.